It's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Hey, and it's Dr. Lisa. Thanks for listening. I give a shit. You know, I do. I give a shit about everybody, everybody who's listening today. You know, I found out there was a whole bunch of people listening in this town in Japan, which is really, like, uh, uh, interesting <laughs> and, 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 and just wonderful news. So I hope you guys are uh, enjoying this. And a real special shout-out, if you ever come to uh, America and Bushwick, you let me know because we'll get you on the air. I, you don't even have to learn English or anything. You just, we'll just make face. I'll, I'll explain. I'll make up what I think you're saying. I think that would be a great interview. Uh, very psychological. Um, so anyway, I, uh, anyway, so, uh, I was thinking about, you know, like last week I was in such a good mood before the show went on and today I'm feeling like it's just interesting week to week. It's kind of a little bit therapy for me too. I'm feeling a little, uh, overwhelmed, you know, I feel like I'm a little greedy about life sometimes. I think it's greediness. And, like, there's so many things I want to get done and so many things that I'm interested in. And, like, there's just too many people and there's just too much. It's just too fucking full. And on top of that, um, I get, like, sidetracked by trying to earn money and, um, oh, and, you know, uh, getting getting cat food and shit like that. It's real, It's just too much. It's just too much. And I know you all feel the same way and that's why I'm putting it out there. So do you, Jeremy, do you feel that way sometimes? Yeah, of course, all the time. All the time, yeah. right? It's always constant. So this is my guest today, uh, Jeremy. I'm not, I'm like really nervous I'm going to say your name wrong. Will you no say problem. It? Will you say it? No problem, of course, because it's fucking Jeremy. Nothing's ever a problem. <laughs> say it, Jeremy. What uh, is it? My last name's uh, uh, Nguyen, so my full name is Jeremy Nguyen. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um. And uh, I'll tell you about Jeremy. I am really excited to have him on here. Just to even, like, get to spend time with him. Because Jeremy, I used to see a lot, a lot, when uh, we were both on the uh, Bushwick Daily. Jeremy was a cartoonist. He started a little after me, and I was the advice columnist. And actually, I was thinking about this today, because Katerina Kosas, uh, who's just... I don't know, just so great that I can't even, like, I mean, that would take the whole show to tell you how much I love her. I even, we even adopted her cat. Did you know that, Jeremy? I don't know Phil that. and I no. adopted her and Kenny's cat. Anyway, uh, she put us together, Jeremy, but you know what the thing was? I mean, I, I, I it was impossible because um, I didn't have enough time to give you to do your thing. Oh, oh, Remember right, that? Right. We did it. It was uh, frustrating. Did you hate me then? You hated me then. No, I didn't even know you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we got to resolve doing this. illustrations for your column. It was great. Yeah, no, it was a great idea, and I wished it. I'm like so regretful that it didn't work out. Well, not regretful, but it would have been great. But um, to keep it going as a constant thing. Yeah, it would. It was really visionary of uh, Katarina. But the problem was really is that I used to write those columns like the night before or something like that, and there's right. no way that you know it was ever going to work. But the vision—I didn't get how great the vision was at the moment. 
Otherwise, I would have rearranged my whole life, maybe, and it would be different today. Yeah, you always had great advice, and it was awesome. To... But it was fun. It was yeah. fun. And then also, Jeremy wound up um, doing like this brilliant. I'll have to post that too. He did this. He did the set, which we wound. It's too hard to explain here, but he did the set for my TV pilot, uh-huh. Doctor. What is it? Couples therapy with Doctor Lisa. So Jeremy and I have been colleagues and friends for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jeremy's career has like totally taken off. He's only how old are you, Jeremy? Uh, Twenty-seven. It's like I, okay. So here's the thing that I I, I have to get this out of the way first. I'll t- I, we have to talk about how um, great Jeremy's career has is has gone is going at age twenty-seven, mostly because he's ridiculously talented, but also because he fucking works his ass off, is totally committed to his work. And on top of that, he uh, he uh, is like the most efficient, easiest person to work with ever. I think. Thank you. Thanks. And and so so what I was telling Jeremy uh, before he came on is that I wanted to just start off by telling him how jealous I was of him in in this particular way, in these particular ways that we can discuss, but. Um, before we get into that, because I want to, I want to find out what's, re- I want to find out the truth. Being, I got to resolve this. Uh, this is therapy for me. Thank you, Jeremy. But um, let's just talk about Jeremy's career, because you can see the work. He's a cartoonist. He is just um, a font of creativity. A lot of your work, Jeremy, I think. Um, is sort of observational, where you make fun of like um gentrification and and pop culture and how dumb dumb millennials are of course yes even the millennials ground well oh see there's a little bit of modesty there (laughs) no jeremy you have a very unique perspective but it's a relatable it's well if you call it well trodden ground it's only because it's very relatable and people Everyone, I'm sure the people that laugh at it the most are probably the people who you're actually t- make poking fun of. Is do you think? Totally. Um, they probably love you, right? Right. Yeah. No. There's something I heard about. Um, people say this about Veep, but it st- sort of applies to my comics. But Veep makes fun of people in Washington D.C. and a lot of D.C. people don't think it's about them. They think it's about the other guy. Right, 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 right. And that's and exactly how it is. So do you wind here. up like having conversations with people where um you know, there's there you know you know you know they're talking about them and they don't get it? Do you uh, get amused by that? Does that happen? Right, of course. Yeah. No. I mean, I've definitely lifted a lot of my comics from people I know, from people places and people that I see all the time and they're usually the Either the biggest cr- critics of it or the biggest fans of it. Oh, <laughs> do do you ever piss anybody off? Like that it's too close to home. Early on, I I pissed off um, mostly white people, just because I've called out white people. I mean, just because you actually use the word white. Yes. Oh, and so have you just avoided that? I've avoided it since. Um, but you, but it's implied. It's totally implied. You just dialed it down. To, that's that's how that's how yeah that's how our society functions. Right. Sort of like yeah. passive aggressive. It's not your fault though, Jeremy. You started in the right place. Well, yeah. Now, now I mean, I at first I was criticized for doing comics about hipsters, and I've just basically rid that word out of all the comics I've done, and. Uh, 
basically whenever I say the mm-hmm. phrase young transplants, that's mm-hmm. who I'm referring to. Is uh, young people, uh, anybody living here. Well, I just want to um, remind you that uh, before I, we really get into asking Jeremy some really hard questions, deep questions, that you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, which is an amazing radio station. We just got our... Uh, what is it? Uh, I always get stuck on this. It's our nonprofit, our nonprofit status. So you can now donate money to us and make it a tax break. I think Donald Trump would love that. He's got to find out about this. I think he should give us a couple million bucks, you know, just a couple of million. Yeah, why not? And then we'll maybe, I don't think that would even get us to say, you know, good things about him, or at least not me, whatever. I'll look at this. Now we're getting in weird territory. So, Jeremy, let's talk. Let's just define your career a little bit. So, you you have this um, very uh, unique point of view. You started. You wanted to be a stand-up comic when you were a kid, or that's right. Yeah. Well, um, I've always drawn all my life, um, and then I found out that I was a little bit funny in high school, mm-hmm. um, and so I even joined like a comedy uh, group uh, with my friends and. Um, we would just talk about comedians we liked. We weren't at all really funny, so we would just... You mean you weren't you, a comedy group where you didn't actually, like, do comedy or perform comedy? You just talked about comedy? Right, yeah. It was basically, like, we would so watch nerdy. the Chappelle show. That's we would so damn watch, nerdy. Yeah. It was, really? It was, a, it was like a high school club that oh, we would man. do during, like, the free period. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. You, no one ever dated any girls, right? <laughs> Now I had I had a girlfriend. Uh, yeah, I you're probably girl. the only one. No, I mean I think people had girlfriends, right? Yeah, pe- people were cool. I think um, nerdy. Bo- you know, that was the time period when nerds were getting cool, and that was like the standard. Yeah, of man, you were probably the nice guy, right? The yeah. one that the girls could sort of trust. Sure, you treated them well. Yeah, <laughs> Jeremy's always like Jeremy's like. Jeremy's like, you know, you know what Jeremy's like? Jeremy's like, you're a bad kid and you bring Jeremy home to your parents and then your parents tell you they wish you were more like Jeremy. That's what Jeremy's <laughs> that, that's like. That's happened once. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, of course I've done bad things in school too, uh, you know. No, you're perfect. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I know, I know, I know. So um, anyway, so Jeremy for the last, how, so Jeremy became like this, um, I mean, your, your work, was like has been so popular on the uh, Bushwick Daily. You did like a weekly cartoon that right. you made into books. Yes. And how long were you doing the weekly cartoon at the Bushwick Daily? Um, I've done that for about three years. Three um, years. And then just recently, Jeremy broke through to the New Yorker. <laughs> and, uh, and you had your first, I posted on my Facebook page, his first cartoon published. Right. First and, and only. First and only, but are you like, are you going to the meetings there every week? Yes, yes, I've been going in and, you know, I've sold a few more, but you have. I haven't been printed yet. Oh, oh, I see. That's how it works, mm-hmm. right? With And Bob Mankoff, who's like kind of famous. Yeah, fa- great uh, guy. He just left. He retired. Yeah, he's retiring in actually two weeks from now. And so who's going to be on there? Uh, it's a young woman named Emma Allen. I haven't met her, but I hear she's amazing and I... You know, she actually writes about Bushwick herself in the New Yorker. She's written about a few oh, really? of the bars. Where does she and, live? 
I'm actually not sure where she lives, but oh, she wow. writes about Brooklyn. So do you get to go to the go-away party for Bob Mankoff? That's going to be awesome. Uh, I don't. I didn't know he had a going away party, but you know I've <laughs> well, only been doing it for well. Three well, months, how, so. you want to have one? <laughs> we'll have one. Invite your high school friends. So, anyways, so um, this past what six months, and then you had this really nice uh, interview in Bedford and Bowery by uh, Sam Patwell, and I have uh, cribbed a couple of things from that. Thank you, Sam. Uh, but really, you're. Your career has really changed dramatically in the last, he's, he's nodding yes, in yes. the last how many months? Uh, I, I went completely freelance from my day job in December of last year, 2016. In the past less than a year. So why don't you tell us like what happened and where, where you are now? What, where you, where, I, what were you doing and where are you now, Jeremy? Yeah. I, had a, I had a fantastic day job and I was there for about, four or five years. Um, they're well, a place called Comixology. Mm-hmm. Um, and Comixology is fantastic. They, you know, they sell comics online and digitally for mm-hmm. your iPad, Kindle, everything. So it's a service. It's like a app service. It's an app thing. retailer for and digital comics. Retailer. Yes. And what did you do there? So they had pri- proprietary technology where, you know, it's kind. Of, it's going to sound boring here, but um, basically you can... Re- Read your comics. That's why on I your wanted phone. you to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, and they have this awesome technology where you can double tap on the page and it'll zoom into a panel, and then you would swipe and it would move to the next panel. Oh, that's so nerdy. It's very nerdy, but it allowed you to read comics, um, you know, on your phone. So did you work on that without having to pinch and zoom? Yes. Yeah, so I worked uh, on the technology for that oh. and guiding people through the stories of all the comics that we oh. offer. That sounds cool. Great day job. Fantastic. The only mm-hmm. reason I left was because I was just getting bogged down with too much freelance and I was starting to have to say no to a lot of things. And as an artist, uh, you don't, you know, saying no is, uh, is, is a good problem to have. But Why did you, you say no to? Tell me one thing you had to say no to. It was just like, um, you know, just boring freelance assignments. You know, oh, just like but yeah, normal. you'd rather be working on your at freelance, of course. Right, of course, exactly. So you were getting enough assignments, you thought, hey, it's time to, I'm, I'm 27 years old, it's time to move on. Right, yeah, and then, you know, um, so it was just getting, uh, trying to figure out how to have a day job and a freelance um, career at the same time mm-hmm. just got too crazy. I was mm-hmm. staying up way too late, and mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to, and it, it's something that, a lot of the uh, my coworkers at Comicsology did. They eventually moved on and started doing comics for like Adventure Time and Steven Universe and uh, and all these other great publishers. Oh, so that's cool. So you had kind of you kind of had your peeps, a little bit of a support group, a little bit of uh, you saw what happened kind of thing. Totally, and there's still some great um, artists who work there now that you know are. I'm, I predict we'll be going to be the same stuck way. there forever. No, no, no. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I think that they're going to be able it's to break joke. out. It's a uh, joke themselves. Joke from a mean, my mean spirited side. <laughs> I told you I was really stressed today. So, um, you know what, Jeremy? You are so like nice and decent that you're making that like it makes me want to be mean. Which is like I take full responsibility for it's my my problem, but I try and channel. Not blaming you. I'm not blaming you. You just I into just yeah. the comics into <laughs> <the> work. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to, tr- and I'm just channeling right into all your <laughs> listeners. Fuck 
fuck off, everybody. Yay. Um, so what's your, what, so you left your job. They were probably very, you know, proud, pleased for you. And, and so what, what, what happened? What's your life like now? Uh, my life is like any other freelancers. It's a lot of, uh, naps. It's a lot of hanging out in the house. It's, you know, I don't have a cat, but it's a lot of buying cat food for myself and for my girlfriend, um, for groceries and stuff. And then so you doing buy like... cat food for you and your girlfriend? <laughs> right. Even though you don't In have a cat. That means sense. that you're eating yes, cat yes. food, you and your girlfriend, because yes. you're not making any money. Yeah, I that's get right. it. right, yeah. No, um, so what happens? So you live with your girlfriend. That's right, yes. Um, she's actually my domestic partner now. We got uh, unified um, at City Hall in January. Wow, you had like an official... Right, yeah. We paid the $35 and got the, you know, license. And uh, now we're, you know, it, it, it is weird. I do refer to her as my girlfriend a lot just because it's kind of strange calling her my partner. We're not used to that yet. Yeah, no, not in our society. Not <laughs> right. yet. I, no matter what. But um, so why, what was, was that having to do with your freelance? Your insurance, right? That's right. Exactly. It was insurance. Insurance. We got we we did it on like inauguration day, so there were a lot of people at City Hall getting married and getting you know we, we walked up to the licensed counselor or whatever, the clerk, and she was like, This is the most domestic partnerships I've done in a single wow. three hour period ever. So what was that conversation like? What does your girlfriend do for a living? My girlfriend's a software engineer. And she has, like, a staff job with nice insurance and Great, shit. great yeah. job, yeah. So um, do you think she's resentful at all that, like, you get all the freedom and she's she's paying all the ins- – she gets all the insurance? Or? I don't know. I mean, you know, there's people who aren't artists who don't understand that lifestyle or they don't um, see that for themselves. And I think she knew that being a software engineer is – you know, that's part of being a software engineer is being part of a team, being part of an office. So you guys are some way more mature than me. <laughs> um, okay, so what was that conversation like? Um, where, what, was she like, are you fucking kidding me? You want to be a domestic partner to get my insurance, not get married? Like, what did, how'd that go down? Uh, it's actually pretty amicable because in our household, we sort of gender swap the roles. Um, I'm more of the cook. She's not really uh, much of a cook herself. Um, I tend to enjoy doing that sort of thing and buying the groceries and figuring out what we're having for our meals. Oh. Yeah. Um, And so, like, being able to stay home and, you know, uh, uh, take care of that and and not have that day job is actually... um, Oh, good for both of you. Yeah. And, And how about getting married? Was that part of it? Yeah, I'm sure we'll get married down the line at some point. Oh, really? Okay. Right. Yes, definitely. Um, we're just... Too young. Too young. I'm 27. She's 25. Oh, 25. 25, 24, I'm 25. Oh, yeah. 25. It just seems ridiculous, right? Right, yeah. And, you know, uh, we don't want to deal with our parents about this right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's all very sensible. It, very sensible. Yeah, it's so very planned, very strategic, very sensible. So that's that's what that's what um that's what I was wanted to say say Jeremy. That's what I'm, that's what um, I uh I my fantasy. Here's my countertransference. My fantasy about you is that um, you're just like so organized and so like um, 
what what's the word like so self so grounded that um you you don't you kind of always know you kind of always know how to make good decisions sure i'd agree with that at to some extent and that like you you your like brain works like you know i get in trouble here because i accidentally forget shit i mean i don't mean to i i feel like i am always not just here but at every job i've had i mean i feel like i'm always this has been bothering me lately jeremy you need to help me because um i've been i got this new job a part-time job where i'm putting on where i'm making dummy books at a book publishing company And I feel like I'm always overcompensating because I'm afraid that I'm forgetting something or not doing something right. And it's getting in my way at this fairly low level, fairly low level job. And um, so I just see you as somebody who like doesn't go through any of that. You're just like your brain works very efficiently and you're you you show up on time and you don't ever like mix up the dates or i know any- i actually showed up early here and then walked around for about 10 minutes until you showed up and i was like all right well okay yeah there you go so like how is that is that is that what it's like for you um well i mean uh your your problem sounds like it's affecting uh, other people too yeah um a lot of my problems are things that I try and contain to only affect me. Stuff like, um, you know, my girlfriend and I, we took a trip, but you know, I showed up uh, to Penn Station uh, two or three hours early, but I had forgotten my passport, so I couldn't get on our plane. Oh, man. But since I was early enough, I could go back home. Fuck. And... So, See, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Right. I do stuff like that. I lose my wallet all the time, keys. I never know where they are. Um but yeah, I try and reduce as much problems for other people as I can. I well, see, I I do too. I'm just not capable. <laughs> right. It's no, always something I, you attempt to do. I, that's always something I'm trying. That's what I'm saying. I don't think I have it. It's just, you know, it's. I mean, I've actually gotten better. It's just not like my nature, and and that may sound like an excuse, but I just, I. I don't think it is. I don't think it is because I work so hard to try to make up for it, and I have to accept that it's not my nature. Otherwise, right. I would be like a homeless person, like I thought I was going to be when I was your age. Yes. <laughs> now I think about that all the time too. I mean, do you? We can be homeless easily and quickly. So, are you um, are you concerned about um, finances now, or things okay? We are working. Um, I mean, the reason why it took so long for me to leave my day job was so that I could save up a ton of money and be able to go at it at this. You know, I started applying uh, cartoons to The New Yorker, but that's never a done deal. You never know if you're going to get in. Some people take months and months Mm -hmm. to get in. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I was banking on. I was like, all right, I've got the savings. How, how I can did, take the year to start submitting cartoons. How, how did you um, get a sense that you were going to be, did you kind of, do you have a sense of New Yorker and stuff like that? Like you were pretty, you knew that you kind of knew that it was going to work out or? Well, yes. I um, mean, I'm sure you did a lot of research, so you, r- kn- you know this shit, so. Right. And doing the comics for Bushwick Daily, I always say that it's like almost a training ground for somewhere like the New Yorker. Uh-huh. Um, I, I figured I had 
the sensibility of the magazine already down with Bushwick Daily Comics and Stranger Than Bushwick. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, and then I had some friends who were applying, and uh, my humor aligned with their humor, and um, going in to submit seemed like the next logical step. Mm-hmm. So you apply, and then they ask you to come in. Um, when I'm when I mean by apply is basically. Um, going in and submitting to because they have they have like an open door thing every week is that it or? that's right um they haven't been doing it lately just because bob is retiring but um they bob had this uh open door policy for any cartoonist who thought that they had cartoons that would feel publishable in the new yorker mm-hmm. and he'd allow he did this as a way to open up um to diverse voices and people who um saw the New Yorker as like a gatekeeper. So he was like, you know, gates open. Why don't you just come in? It's great. It's great. Hey, hey, you guys, if you want to call in and help us out here, I need some help today. Um, we're at 718-928-9732. That's 718-928-9732. I promise I'll be nice to you. I promise. So if you want to call in, if you've got a question for Jeremy, because he knows that whole comic that whole comic thing, you know, you probably could get some good advice from him. So, so Jeremy, here's what I need to know. I need to know, like, how did you get this way? Did your parents love you or like what happened? Um, I, I think they loved me at a certain point. Um, and then they realized, <laughs> well, yeah, what I mean by that is, um, you know, I've, I had always done art as a young person you know, in high school and in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And I had the cliche, stereotypical Asian parents who didn't want their child to be an artist. They wanted him to be a doctor, engineer, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but I think uh, the moment that I proved to them that I could do this was getting scholarships to go to college for it. Oh, wow. Right. And, you know, once your Asian parents see that they can pay less tuition, then they're all for it, and they started supporting me. Um, Were they excited about it when you got scholarships? Did that prove something to them? Totally, it was a and it was a like game changer. Game changer, definitely. definitely with your relationship with them, totally, you definitely nailed it on the head. It was like a crazy scholarship. It was, um, I won a competition in my district in California. And it was sponsored by Southwest Airlines, and they would fly you out to Washington, D.C., where your art piece was going to hang up in this, like, tunnel that connects the House of Representatives and the Senate building. And this is everything. This is... Wow. Students in high school do this all over the country. So I was there with hundreds and hundreds of other high school students who had artwork hanging in this particular space. What was that like? How old are you? Were you like a senior? I was. uh, It was. I was going into my senior year, so I was a junior when this happened. Wow! What was that like? It was incredible. Like I couldn't believe it. I mean, I met my congressman. um, Wow! uh, In D.C., turns out he's actually kind of a shitbag these days, but. It was oh, yeah. it's exciting when you don't know what Do you politics say his, are. Should we say his name or I don't care? I mean, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. I don't even all think right, he's right. part of the Senate anymore. Oh, right? all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, stuff like that uh, just so, turned my So parents. like you got a free plane trip and a hotel and all that? Right, exactly. Yeah. Wow, and you met like all these kids? Yeah, you meet all these other students. That must have been amazing. So did that help you get a scholarship to college? Right, so if... Uh, if any student were to win this, then the college 
um, that I had wanted to go to Savannah College of Art and Design, they actually offered scholarship for for students who um, place in these competitions. Wow! Really? Wow! So that so that was that was like that was this huge flashing green light for you, right? Right. That was definitely like this is where I have to you know yeah face yeah. the direction I'm going and so cool. Were yeah. you doing cartoons then, or just Ill- more like were they? Because the thing about your cartoons and I think cartoons in general is that they're conceptual. Really, they're sort of like. They remind me of my ad making days. They're sort of like visuals and headlines together. Yes. So it's a concept, whereas like, you know, just, you know, making, you know, you could be making and you, I know you do a lot of drawing and stuff like that, but this is why I, I say, um, why I'm asking where you was cartooning always your thing. Yeah, I've always been drawing, you know, pen and ink, you know, paper and pencil easily. But making like like scenes with ideas and things like that. Was that always part of it? The writing part? Yeah, the writing part is a lot newer. Oh, Um, okay. Definitely. When I first moved to New York, um, the writing got a lot more intense, you know. Uh, The comics, they came from the BuzzFeed listicle era, uh-huh. Um, so I was just illustrating my own versions of listicles and the oh. sort of things that I was seeing in Bushwick. I would just write down in a list and then illustrate. Oh, oh right. I see. But I, uh, you know, yeah. you see these listicles when you're uh, 20 years old and you're like, this is garbage. They're just, you know, they're, they're gifts put together with text. And I was like, maybe we can make these a lot prettier by illustrating them. Oh yeah, that. So in other words, you, you. They, so it was the same basic idea. You just borrowed the writing, right? And that idea, you know, pop got popularized in this listicle form. But I'm sure that form has existed for mm-hmm. decades and decades. But it was a pop culture thing that caught your right. attention. Yes. So is there some kind of maybe outsidery thing that makes you laugh at pop culture? Well, how do you mean? Like, um, you know, maybe your background, maybe as maybe your Asian. I wanted to actually ask you about your Asian parents. Why you? What that means? Because, oh. um, so were your parents like really good at this? What? You know, I wish <laughs> I had fucking. You know, you know, it's funny because um, my stepson went to. Um, high school in new york and he was he was always saying you know these kids with asian parents you know there is a stereotype oh right right like the tiger mom sort of stereotype so oh did your brothers and sisters i did have an older brother yes and what does he do uh he was in the air force out of uh high school and now he's uh he i'm not sure what he does he works in economics i think yeah, he's some sort of economist. Oh, wow. <laughs> I guess. Smart guy. Right, yes. So do you think that your parents um, were really, you know, disciplined? Were they disciplinarians? Or what What kind of upbringing did you have? My parents are interesting because they they're refugees of the Vietnam War. Wow. And they came to the United States when they were 15, 16 years old. From Vietnam? From Vietnam. Wow, that's so intense. Oh, yeah, totally. And wow. so, you know, they're basic. In my mind, I see them as Americans because they did a lot of their formative teenage years in the United States, in Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they came to Nebraska with their parents or families? Basically, yeah. I think they were the two only Vietnamese families in Nebraska. So So do you have grandparents? 
Um, yeah, I have. I mean, alive grand- living grandparents. Oh, you know what? I don't. I have one grandma grandmother in Orange County who's alive. So does she speak Vietnamese? She's a uh, school teacher, so she actually speaks English very well. Oh wow! Yeah. So, but she came here with her children. Yes, that's right. Fucking and my grandfather. A, man. Yeah. So, um, so your parents were from Vietnam. So, what? What? Wow. So, what was that like? Did you? Did did? Was there a lot of Vietnamese culture in your upbringing? Um. Yeah. Well, since they came so young, I feel like they were pretty lax on the whole, like. Vietnamese traditional upbringing um, mm-hmm. aspect of my life and my mm-hmm. brother's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've uh, always sort of tried to be the strict Vietnamese parents because they saw their own brothers and sisters doing that to their kids. Ah. Um, and uh, they wanted us to sort of fall in line with them. And um, but the th- yeah, but the problem was is that we moved around a lot, so we weren't around Vietnamese communities all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So where? Why did you move? My dad was a software engineer himself, and he was uh, you know prevalent during the dot com crash ah. bi- eras, and he worked for IBM, and IBM had that famous big crash in the nineties. Um, so his his job. As a semiconductor, making microchips was always. Um, I worked on NEC. I know a little bit about this. Oh, shit. really? No kidding. Yeah, business to business yeah. stuff. I know, I know about this. Very shit. little semiconductors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm very so. proud of my dad. He has like a patent on. Really? Yeah. Wow. So he moved around a lot because. Just because the job, you know, job security at that time was unstable, and oh, he get laid see. off a lot. Oh, yeah. got laid off a lot. And how about your of- mom? My mother, uh, she didn't go to college um, after high school. She became she she also had a few many many jobs. She you know she was a fashion designer at one wow. point. Wow! Oh, and so she is an art art type. Right? Yeah, I definitely get my drawing background from mm-hmm. her. So she drew a lot. That's right. She would design dresses, and she was a seamstress. Mm-hmm. Um, she then got her you know pharmaceutical degree. And then my parents both left um, their respective industries, and my dad became a real estate agent, and my mom became a notary public, and then they formed their own real estate business in uh, in California and got out right before the big housing crisis. Oh, wow, wow. In 2009, yeah. So yeah. Um, d- did they meet here? They're both Vietnamese. Did they meet through a Vietnamese um, sort of... Um you know, community or? I think that's how it went down. What happened was my dad was, uh, my, my mother was sponsored by a church and my dad mm-hmm. was, had a godfather that brought him to the States. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather on my dad's side was a surgeon, so he knew a lot of American doctors and they were able to come here easily. My mom, not so much. She grew up in the country of Vietnam and there's a few Vietnamese refugee stories of people taking fishing boats across the Pacific and being. She was one of them. She she was found wow. on a fishing boat. Boat person. She was right. a goddamn. <laughs> I guess wow, that is yeah. really really. I think the U.S. That... military found her boat and picked them up. Wow. Yeah. How did what? That is like that is like so. Um, 
I don't know, mind blowing. Like, I mean, Jesus. it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are you, are you like, like incredibly, imp- I mean, it's so impressive, right? Of course. And they were, did that at 15, 14 is that years like, old. Is that like, un- it's unimaginable. Can you picture it? I can picture it. I, the funny story is we went to see a movie about like refugees and Vietnamese, um, uh, Vietnam war escapees. And we came out of it, and I was like, Mom and Dad, is that really what happened to you? And they're, they were like, yes, that's what happened to us. And I was like, isn't that movie amazing? And they are like, yeah, it was all right. It was okay. But, you know, the experience was a what, lot more. And look what they made happen. They made a lot happen in their lives. Totally. They've done a lot. So yeah. so you've obviously – so what is it – so what is the secret? Can I go back and get adopted? Can I just, like, live with them for a while and maybe get some training? So do 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 are they like super hard workers or like how did they make how did they make their lives happen in such a yeah i think they're just self-sufficient and um they've always been deliberate with the way they make their decisions and their lives um even when things like getting laid off and the market ceases to have your job exist so they seem to adapt pretty well mm-hmm. and i think that's sort of the american way is that you can really do anything because obviously my parents did many things. Right, right, right. So um, were you aware of that much when you were growing up, the fact that they were like Viet- from all that stuff from Vietnam or like how, or did they, was that part of like, you know, um, why did they want you to achieve because of that? Or like, how did that work out? So, um, yeah, I, I went, Whenever I talk about my parents being pretty lax on my art stuff is because, like I said, my grandfather was a surgeon. He wanted his son, my dad, to be a doctor, too. And my dad went to school for biology, and, you know, he has a degree in, I think, chemistry or biochemistry. Um, But he himself couldn't see himself being a doctor, so... I don't think he would want to actually inflict that upon his own children. Mm -hmm. He had a lot more um, sympathy for his own kids not going Mm -hmm. into that field. Mm -hmm. Did they um, did they keep an eye on your homework and stuff like that? Were you a good student? Oh, yeah. Um, I was decent, you know, Mm -hmm. 3.0 average, not a 4.0. But, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, were you pretty self-motivated? Sure. I mean, I, I, I would say that. I tried to be like the the honor student, achieving high grades. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't ever that great at it, um, but you know, I did things like I was on student government. I was a yearbook editor. Oh, uh, Jesus! Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had a ton of fun Jesus. in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, my parents would have been like, "Why can't you be more like Jeremy? Look at Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy." Yeah, and then like the only AP class I had was art class, and so you know, I was. Because like, that's where your your heart was, obviously. Right, exactly. So did you? Um, wow, but you were drawing a you were drawing a lot. So what about? Um, okay, this is what I'm going to say. So tell me something about your rebellious side. There's no way that you don't have a rebellious <laughs> side. Oh, of course I have a rebellious. Okay, so side. let's hear it. What um, is it? I mean, I thought doing the art stuff was rebellious enough. Um, was it in your... In, in your... my mind, I mean, you know, I would skip school and, you know, go oh. see movies and draw all the time and hang out with my girlfriend. Um, 
So you skipped school a lot. That's rebellious. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was I had like a shitty uh, Honda or Toyota Camry that was like handed down to me after ten years of service. Um, mm-hmm. That I would just, you know, it was it was great to have that. 16-year-old freedom of just being able to drive anywhere when your parents are running their own business and can't really look after you. So so your parents weren't around a lot. They were at work a lot? Yeah. they were. Uh, by the time I was in high school, they were doing their real estate thing and they were running this business of theirs. And so they do a lot of house showings and a lot of open mm-hmm. houses on the weekends. And they let they trusted you to take care of yourself? I think so. Once my uh, At that point, my brother had gone into the military and so they were more concerned about him coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq, that they sort of were like, at least Jeremy is safe here in Fremont, California. And how did that (laughs) affect you when he went to um, to Iraq? Iraq, yeah. Wow. How did that affect you? So that was, I I mean, I might have been too young to understand it. How old were you? I was about 13, 14 years Mm -hmm. old. Um, You know, freshman year in high school. 9-11 9-11 had happened maybe four or five years ago prior mm-hmm. to that. Um, but we were just more shocked that my brother went into the military at all. You know, he's about my size. Uh, 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 Which is, you know, um, small. <laughs> no, no, not like tiny. But, I right. mean, you know, you you weigh 135, 40 yeah. pounds, something like that. And he's like me. He's like a nerdy dude. You know, he, he plays a lot of video games and board games. I don't really. And mm-hmm. he's, uh, you know, he was into anime at the time. And it was just very strange to watch this nerdy uh, older brother of mine who weighs maybe 100 pounds have to take whey powder in order to meet the weight requirement. What, what do you think for, motivated him? Uh, so he tells me that, you know, he just felt like he had gotten a lot of uh, benefits of being an American, that he wanted to pay that forward and be in service to the United States. Do you think he appreciated, like, what your parents went through and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. I think he appreciated it way more than I did as the older brother who saw all that firsthand. Um, in You know, he was born in 85 and, you know, grew up saw all that, you know, happen in the 90s. So um, he, he definitely had a better world view than or I did. Or just, yeah, or like just a different time. So he was really emotional about it. So did everybody freak out when he went? Yeah, everyone freaked out. We were like, why do you want to do this? It doesn't make sense. We are like, we're not going to see you for two or three years maybe. Um, it, it was, And he's going to such a scary place. Totally. Oh, so yeah. what happened when it came During back? During the Bush era. It was crazy. I can't believe it. That must have been horrible. I so, mean, it must have been very difficult for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. think that was a life-altering event for you? I think so. Definitely. Yeah. I How mean, do you think it affected you? Well, up until that point, I kind of saw us as synonymous people, that we were always, you know, the, the two brothers doing things together and hanging out. Right. You know, since we moved around a lot, we never had, like, oh, a stable... Right outside friendship besides each other Mm -hmm. um and so when he left that's when i sort of surrogated that with having a girlfriend in high school ah yeah and um without him i definitely you know found my own interests that weren't his and discovered um what i liked to do and what i wanted to be myself so you were really close to him very close so when he left um you know, it's interesting. So here's how you're talking about it, Jeremy. Sure. So when I asked you about it, 
you're very positive, <laughs> as you would be, as sure. you no. But um, which is which is great. I applaud that. You know, you talked about that it was a good chance for you to have your own development. Right, definitely. But I also wanted to know if you felt like abandoned by him or if it was just somebody that you were close to. Did you feel rejected? Was it painful? Come on, Jeremy. Let's hear your three-dimensional. I mean, yeah, no. I, he was gone all the time. And, I, you know, I didn't have anyone to talk to about my parents. And my parents is, you know, they they ran their own business. And what I didn't say about that is that running your own business with your spouse can be really tough and really hard Mm -hmm. um and so they would you know have their quibbles and all that and i wasn't able to talk about that with my brother so what i would do is i would leave the house you know at 9 p.m and just drive around town and maybe pick up my girlfriend and go see a movie Mm -hmm. during the week and that's that was my life so it changed your life radically when he left oh totally oh my god and were you worried about him very word. I mean, all the time. You know, he was stationed in London after his service in uh, overseas in mm-hmm. Afghanistan. And there was like a big subway bombing that happened maybe 20 miles outside of where he was staying um, on the London metro. And uh, it, it, it was just like, you know, unpredictable at those times, mm-hmm. the terror attacks. And so would you like, did you hear from him? Did you watch the news or like, was it on your mind all the time? Um, you know, I, I, I didn't know anything about what was going on Mm -hmm. with the war. I don't think a lot of people did. So, uh. Not like they do now on the internet. Not like they do now. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Not with the internet. So when he came back, how was that? Has he changed? Did it change him? So when he came back, it was fantastic. I think he was almost like, you know, a war hero celebrated in my family just because nobody else had been in the war since, the Vietnam War. I, sure. know, I had, you know, my grandfather and I had a few uncles that served. Um, but to see their son as an American military man, I think that was very impressive. Mm-hmm. And, and how I, was he? Was he like... Um, he was gracious. He was uh, did very it make modest. Him, he was modest. Did it, did it change him? Yeah, he definitely grew up. <laughs> he was just a lot more mature. He was an adult uh, than when I saw him. Mm-hmm. And I actually, that was uh, a night that I felt extreme jealousy of just because he was um, almost like, he was like the golden son returning. Oh, wow. So what? everyone wanted to talk to him and shake his hand and say hi. And, oh, it's know. huge. Did your family have a party? What was it like? Yeah, we had a little party at my at grandma's your, place. And like your whole family showed up? And totally, everything? yeah. Must have been awesome. Are you really proud of him now? I mean, oh, I yeah, feel I feel like I'm proud of him, and I never even met. I'm like, yeah. you know, it just brings me back to the whole um, refugee thing, which you know is really upsetting for 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 all of us. But must feel very. Per- Does it feel personal to you? Um, that that he's hurt. how America how America is handling that whole thing. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting how how my brother came back and. Um, he, you know, it's very strange because he's like, I always forget that he also served in the military oh, right. just because he's a different person than what you think is like this alpha male jock, you know, buzz cut. Right, right, right. Um, so he still doesn't seem like that. No, not, not at all. Interesting. Nowadays, you know, I mean, he lives in New York and he's very sartorial. He wears suits like even in the summer. Oh, so you still see him a lot. He's very right? fashionable. Yeah, yeah. I see and him. Is he enough. married or anything? 
Uh, he's he's engaged. Nice. He's going to be married. Uh, Congratulations. What's his year. name? Chris. 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 Chris Nguyen. Congratulations. He's the best. Um. So uh, wow, wow. This is um. <laughs> wow. So um. Okay, you know, we only have like 10 minutes left. Oh, yeah, no Didn't kidding. this go fast? Yeah. So fascinating totally. hearing about, yeah, wow. Um, I want to make sure that we get in all the um, plugs because you have a lot of stuff going on and a lot of stuff coming up. But I, I just, so one more, let's just talk about one more thing, which sure. is, um been thinking about, which is, so um, does, I mean, do you, is being Vietnamese, like how do you, how is that? how is that part of your identity or is it or i don't i wouldn't know how to how i would process that no it's fine i feel a little strange because being vietnamese is almost non-existent in my life yeah i mean <laughs> i have to say i don't think i know any other vietnamese people that or i mean i may but i don't think i have not had a discussion like this do you know any vietnamese i mean besides your relatives sure but, I, I know a few vietnamese people in new york i mean it's just but like in bushwick like we hang out not in bushwick no. we hang out in some of the same yeah. circles we definitely are a, a there's big some vietnamese restaurants in bushwick that i'm not even that i don't even go to so do you think about v- being vietnamese very often not really no i think you know the Amer. i've been Americanized. You've been really Americanized. Yeah, a lot of people say I'm whitewashed. Um. You are. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good line. I never heard of that. Oh, really? No kidding. But like when you were growing up, was it was it different then? Was it harder being Vietnamese when you were a kid or like in high school, moving around? Things in like high that? school, not so bad because we lived in the Bay Area. There's tons of Asians everywhere. It was mm-hmm. mostly dominated Filipino and then San Jose is very Vietnamese. But um, uh, growing up everywhere else, like we grew up in Austin, Texas, and mm-hmm. Portland, Oregon, and um, I think mostly the kids pretty much understood that you were Asian, but I don't think I really got bullied for that. No. When I went to college, I, that was much more different. What do you mean? In Savannah, Georgia, you know, oh, you would yeah. just have pickup trucks just call. You know, I actually, I, I'm not gay, but... I was, um, I read gay to a lot of people, and I was called faggot a lot, and, you know, scrawny, you know, gay <laughs> kid, whatever. Was that, was that hard, or? Yeah, it's, well, it was hard, you know, I don't even know how to describe it, because I'm was not it... gay, so. No, but was it threatening, or? It definitely threatening, yeah. Scary? It's just strange to be called something, you know, you expect the racism, but then you uh-huh. got the homo- homophobia instead. <laughs> Yeah. That's absurd. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Right? Yeah. I no, I hear be... you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, did, uh, did, um, I was going to say, so, but like in art school and shit, people are probably pretty cool about that shit. Totally. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I just want to remind people again, be, be, why I have a chance to, that you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, the best radio station in the, uh, Western Hemisphere. It's Dr. Lisa here with Jeremy Nugin. Is that good? Not at all. That was terrible, Gwen. right? Gwen. Gwen. Yeah. Yeah. Just one uh, syllable. Whatever. Gwen. See, I, I just say I Gwen or Gwen. It. Yeah. I, so anyway, and uh, go to our. You know, we're a nonprofit now. You can donate money and get a tax deduction. Yeah. So donate a lot of money. Go to our Patreon page on www.radiofreebrooklyn.com. And uh, you can also, you know, people can ask, actually donate money to this show. Dr. Lisa gives a shit if they just go to the show page and, like, there's a big green donate money page, you know, and they could just pay for the show. 
Um, so let's let's get into. We have eight minutes. Let's talk sure. about what you have coming up because you have a lot. You have a lot coming up, Jeremy. That's right. So yeah. so so I have here that you uh, have something up at WeWork. Something coming up at WeWork. Right. So I'm I'm a part of a group show at uh, WeWork South Williamsburg. I'm going to be showing a few of my uh, Bushwick Daily cartoons. And is there an, a reception for that? Yeah, on April 27th, there should be a reception. At WeWork. At WeWork. And uh, you also have have something up at the Roger Smith Hotel. Yeah, the Roger Smith has been amazing. Um, They're an amazing family-owned hotel. I've got a a full room just of murals that I've done for them on site, as well as a few pieces hanging with a group exhibition that exhibited here in Bushwick uh, during Bushwick Open Studios at Cave Espresso. Oh, cool. We've moved that show over. Um, oh, so it's hotel. a whole show with additional uh, murals. That's right. And uh, what's the address there? They're like on 48th you Street. You don't even have enough. That, see that, Jeremy? <laughs> you're not perfect. Look at that. Right. They're on 48th Street on Lexington, just Lexington, like three, yeah. three blocks north yeah. of Grand Central. Yeah, Susan Hamburger, uh, somebody also artist. Bushwick artist also been on the show. She had a solo oh, show there wow. as well. It was, I mean, it's a great place to show your it's work. Fantastic. Really, yeah. really great. And it's, I love it because you also get a lot of people that don't necessarily always go to see art. You get a lot of <laughs> right. consumers, a lot of uh, business suit guys. Yeah. And is there a? Uh, did you do something else too? Um, I think Didn't that's you say it. Say something else. Um, what I've... about? What about? So you have oh. a lot of stuff floating around. That the New Yorker has bought. Right. So I don't, you know, they never tell you when they're going to print cartoons, but it's uh, it's exciting. So you just have to look every week? Right. You just have to look every week. So is it like, oh, no. I'm going <laughs> to look. Yeah. Sometimes you're not in, but it's fine. They've mm-hmm. already bought the cartoon. It's great. So what do you? Th- what's the biggest uh, stressor uh, since you've gone from uh, having a staff job to freelance? What is the hardest part? I think the f- hardest part is you know, just having a constant stream of work to do and finding clients who want to work with you. Um, Being an illustrator is difficult because you sort of have to um, be in a certain lane of illustration and you can't really experiment or uh, stray from a certain look or a a certain type of client Mm -hmm. um, without changing your brand entirely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's tons of illustrators out there, so these art directors... They're great, but they have, you know, it's it's like a buffet. They can have, you know, they mm-hmm. can have, uh, they can go all vegetarian or they can mm-hmm. have an entire plethora of uh, artists at their disposal. So you kind of have to show them a brand, a personality, an identity that they mm-hmm. can know what to use you mm-hmm. for. And you kind of have to stay. It also, I mean, you can do it. I mean, you have plenty of ways to you have plenty of creative outlet opportunities to do creative things but for this you need to be in a, in a particular box you need to keep your work for the new yorker um oh no i mean as an illustrator as people an illustrator, you, the yes. work has to be you know fairly predictable i was an art director and, and right. if, when you're paying an illustrator client money it has to have, you have to know what you're gonna work you have or, to know yeah. what you're gonna get kind yeah. of yeah to to some degree they have to see exactly what you bring to the table so that they don't have to pay extra if to you get mess it redone. up. Yeah. Well, or just to get it redone, which is a, a very hard, I mean, part of being, I think, you know, and, and I think that's what we've been talking about is that, you know, you're really um, 
got your shit together and, you know, you're reliable and stuff like that. And I think that's a really, being easy to work with is a big part of the job, no? Definitely. I mean, there's three things you have to be. You have to be fast, you have to be good. Um, you could be two of these things, fast, good, or nice. And if you have two of them, you, you can work. But if you have, all, you know, I try and have all three of them so that yeah. I can get yeah. more Yeah, and you're, you're, you're young. Yeah. So, so if anything goes... So, but um, I, I see you um, having a pretty big vision on your own. Like, do you see, see um, like having your own set of books or something? I mean, you said that this is we we only have four minutes, so I got to keep this short. But you're you're done. You're gonna you're done with the Bushwick aspect. You've done. You're finishing right. your three books, your third book soon, and yes, you're gonna move on yeah. from that. But do you see like I see you as pu- publishing your own. Or having your books published, like yeah, no, definitely. Is that kind of? More I have a few things percolating. Um, I, you know, I want to see how far the New Yorker cartoons get me. But um, in addition to that, I'm doing some some you know, personal graphic novels just on my own. Oh, per yeah. graphic novels! So that's you're really right. getting into the writing part. Yes, yeah. Oh, that's. Wonderful. I never actually really considered myself that much of a narrative cartoonist i've just been mostly making a lot of jokes uh-huh. so it's going to be fun to ex- explore uh-huh. writing a fiction mm-hmm. piece oh that's what i was going to ask you in the beginning so does being vietnamese uh does that or is that just me this is so racist i'm <laughs> afraid fine. no worries. um uh, does that give you some kind of objectivity to be more of an observer you think or maybe maybe not literally being i think maybe i get the, the benefit the- of not being white <laughs> The benefit and maybe being teased a little makes you understand what being an yes. outsider is. D- definitely. Uh, so I want to give like this really big shout out t- for people to stay tuned to the show that's on after this one, um, because it's it's really like amazing. It's called uh, it's by Alan Daz- Danziger. See, I'm not. It's now you you definitely aren't going to take that personally because you can see that I screw up everybody's name so anyway he does this um really great show um called mix mix i just had it up here like i'm freaking out because i'm afraid i'm being disorganized so now i'm actually see this is what it's it's, coming to fruition now now, yeah i make my own problems and i'm making one but anyway it's a mixtape show and it's really really funny um, what he does is he has people bring in their mixed tapes and then he plays them and, you know, it's like uh, he has them on. And, and, um, and they probably tell stories. Yeah. yeah, and tell stories. So I want people to stay and listen to that. If you're listening to this, you are definitely going to love that because we, we understand at Radio Free Brooklyn that's how they program things. And I want to make a big point of that, that you should stay on and listen. So we're going to uh, bring the show in on on time jeremy you are you are such a uh light a breath of fresh air oh, thank you yeah you made me feel really good today oh i'm, I'm glad i feel much better after this <laughs> it was a really good session thank you yeah, thank you jeremy too. i feel i feel like i have been to therapy i don't know if i helped you but you definitely helped me and so i feel like i'm way ahead of the game <laughs> thanks a lot thank you so we have two seconds. Let's sing. What do you say? Okay. Nestle. I'm just Let's drinking. sing ads. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Let's sing ads. What products are you into lately? Oh. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. 